today the title of my message is justified by faith everybody say justified by faith let's begin from romans chapter 4 from verse 1 the bible says what then shall we say about abraham our father has found according to the flesh it says for if abraham was justified by works he has something to boast about but not before god what the bible is saying is that if abraham was to come to god's presence and i mean abraham had credentials he was a rich man he had so much money um he was a very wise man those credentials he can boast before men but if he bring all those good works before god the bible says he cannot use his good works to boast before god that's what the bible is saying he says but not before god for what does the scripture say how did abraham become a man of righteousness how did abraham become a man right before god the bible made it very clear for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. The word righteousness there is when we worked. When we, how many of you studied accounting in this place? Studied accounting? If you studied accounting, you know that when we, worked, when we, when we say account for something, you cannot sell something for 20,000 naira and record 19,800. That's bad accounting. Are you following? So the Bible says that God credited to the account of Abraham righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Say it again. Say righteousness. All right. Now let's continue. So Abraham stands in a special relationship with believers. He is referred to as our father. Look at Romans chapter 4 verse 11. The Bible tells us very carefully that and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while, while, while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. You see that very carefully? The Bible tells us that Abraham is our father. He says that he might be the father of us all who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Maybe you don't understand what he's talking about. Let me explain in a moment. Remember, look at it very carefully. He says, and he received the sign of circumcision. What's he talking about? What's Paul talking about? Paul is talking about the Jews. The Jews were the ones were, were the only ones who were given any law to circumcise children, to circumcise themselves as a sign of their covenant with God. Now, the uncircumcised people are what you call the Gentiles. Are you following very carefully? So, in the beginning, righteousness was only given to the Jews. But now the Bible says that Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised. That means even when Abraham was not yet righteous before God, God already declared him righteous by faith, that he might be the father of all who believe, though they were uncircumcised. We are the uncircumcised ones, but righteousness has now been imputed, accounted to us. Can you shout amen? So look at look at um, um, Galatians three seven. Look at what Paul said here. He says, "Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham." Are you seeing that? So he says that if you are in the faith, if you are justified by faith, he says you are also a son of Abraham. Let you know that Abraham is our father. Glory to God. So Paul asks a question. Let's go back to Romans chapter four verse three, I believe. Romans four three. Look at what Paul said again. He said, what then did Abraham, no, go actually verse 2, verse 2 actually. He says, for if Abraham was justified by works, 
That means by self-effort, by his performance, by his behavior. If Abraham was justified before God of how well he lived a holy life, he said he has something to boast about, but not before God. Not before God. Let me show you something in Luke 18. Luke 18. Give me Luke 18. It's the last scripture I, I, I believe that I gave to you. Luke 18. Now, Jesus talked about two guys. Right? One was a Pharisee. One was a sinner. Look at the story very carefully. He says, also he spoke this parable to those who trust in themselves. Who trust in their works. Who trust in their self-effort. That they were righteous and despised others. So these guys, you know, there's some people like this, right? Because they have this holier-than-thou attitude. When they see others, they despise them. Because they feel like when it comes to God, they score, they, I mean, they have all the scores with God. Are you following? So the Jesus said, there are those who trust in their ability. They trust in their works. They trust in their efforts. They trust in their performance. He says, next verse, next verse, verse 10. Look at some of the, look at some of the works that the guy had. Next verse quickly, please. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other one is who? Is who now? Talk to me now. A tax collector. Now listen very carefully. Pharisees and tax collectors are opposite and they are negative and positive. They never join together. I mean, if they find themselves together in a room, everybody, the Pharisee disappear or the tax collector finds his other way. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the days of, of the Pharisees, the tax collectors are even worse than sinners. Sinners can come into the temple, but tax collectors cannot step into the temple of God. That's how terrible it was. Because why? The tax collectors were Jews. And they were the ones collecting tax from the Jews. They were appointed and working for the Roman government. So they thought, and because of the power that they gave to them, right? They could do anything they wanted. That's why Zach just would pay tax. He can come to you now and say, brother, have you seen all these tax guys that come to your shops or your office and ask you, pay tax, pay tax. They are, they are worse than them. They will come to you and say, brother, your tax is 100k. You say, sorry, I don't have the money I paid before. They will lock your shop. That's how terrible they were. And you can't do nothing about it. They were the final authority when it came to tax. So the Pharisees hated them. They disliked, I mean, there was passion, hate. That's why they were angry. When Jesus was going to tax collector house, he said, how can your master be eating and dining with tax collectors? Are you seeing the problem? So now Jesus said, one a Pharisee and the other one a what? A tax collector. Next verse. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed, toss with himself. Look at the content of his prayer. God, I thank you. I am not like other men. Extortioners, talking about the tax collectors, robbers, unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector, even mentioned to God that even this guy, I'm not like him. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, I tell to me a sinner now to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbled himself will be exalted so what the Bible say that the, the, the tax collector when he prayed that prayer when he saw himself as a sinner and acknowledged the mercy of God what happened he went away not mercified he went away justified glory to God
I said, glory to God. That's the difference when you trust in your performance. If you think that God is going to bless you because you paid your tithe or because you fast twice a week, you are on you are in the wrong path. You are trying to be justified by your efforts. You are trying to be justified by your works. You cannot, you have nothing to boast before God. The Bible says that all of our righteousnesses are stinking. They are cow dung before God. When you come to God, you have to come with something greater. You have to come with Jesus. Jesus is the satisfaction of God. Jesus is the satisfaction of God. You cannot boast in what you can do. You boast in what he has done for you. That's why our boast is. Praise God. So Paul was asking, what was Abraham our father? What has he found? Or what has he attained by the works of the flesh? That means by self-effort. If Abraham was righteous based on his works, he would have something to boast about. Now we know from scripture that Abraham, if God was to go to justify him by his works, he would have gone to hell. How do I know this? Very clearly. When Abraham went to King, to King Abimelech, Abimelech asked him, who is this lady to you? If I even told this why they planned it, he says, when we go and see the king, tell the king that you are, we are sisters, brother and sister. Don't tell him that I'm your husband. Imagine that. Imagine you tell you what that kind of thing. Then they got to Abimelech. Abimelech said, who is, who is she? And you know what he said? He said, um, sir, this is my sister. And the man said, wow, what a beautiful sister you've got. I want this one for myself. And then the man took Sarah. At night, brothers and sisters, say at night, God is the one that came to King Abimelech. He said, if you touch this woman, is you wrong? I asked the guy, the guy said, you will die. And God said, yes. In fact, go and meet him. We will pray for you and open all the wounds of everybody in your household. Because, because of that thing, all their wounds were closed. So the man went to Abraham and said, sir, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God just showed me that this one is your wife. I can't touch her. <laughs> and I said, God said, if I should pray for me that you're a prophet. Then Abraham said, kneel down. Lay hands on him. Prophesy to him. And then the man said, in fact, take money, sir. Take money. Honorarium. No, does it make any sense? You think it just one time. Abraham, now, when, when, when the wife was 65 years old, this happened with Pharaoh too. 90 years old, Abimelech. And listen, these men, Bakoba, these men are not men of the spirit. They, are, they, see, they see beauty, eyeball. You understand? So at 65 years old, when Sarah came before um, Pharaoh, what happened to Pharaoh? The same thing happened. The same thing happened. He said, don't tell that you are mine all the time. And then he came before Abimelech and Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, I think I'll marry this one. Add that to one of my wives. Guess what happened next? The same thing happened. God said, if you touch that woman. No, tell me, brothers and sisters, among the two of them, who did wrong and who did right? Who did wrong? Abraham, who did right? He didn't do anything wrong, right? But who got punished? Pharaoh and Abimelech. And what they got into Abraham, God even blessed him more. You know why? Because Abraham did not boast in his performance before God. Abraham believed the gospel, the same gospel I'm preaching to you now. Abraham believed the same gospel. And it's that gospel that justifies us before God. It is that gospel that makes us to stand before the presence of Satan and we cannot be condemned. We cannot be intimidated. 
and we stand in God's presence with no sense of guilt, with no sense of inferiority. Why? Because we know we are justified. Praise God. Look at Genesis 15 verse 6. Look at what the Bible says. What does the scripture say about this? It says, for if Abraham, no, Genesis 15 verse 6. Genesis 15 verse 6, quickly please. Everybody on the screen want to go. Come on, read louder than this. Come on, let's go. One to go. Uh-huh. For righteousness. Now go back to Romans 4 verse 3. Look at the first mention of the word justification by faith. Look at it again. Read everybody. One to go. Uh-huh. Yes. For righteousness. Verse 4. Justification by faith. Actually in verse is in the book of Romans. That's the first mention of the word justification. Now, follow me very carefully. Don't sleep on me now. What I'm teaching you, it will bless your life forever. I'm telling you. Now, the word justification or justified is mentioned more than 38 times in the New Testament. And more than 32 or 34 of those times, the word was only used by Paul. Because Paul wanted to use... There, there are many words to use to communicate our salvation. We can say things like we are saved, we are forgiven of our sins, we are reconciled to God, we are redeemed. But justification is the most explicit explanation of what we have gotten in Christ Jesus. And that's why Paul in his writings used the word justification more than any other term to explain what we have gotten in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Give me Romans 3 from verse 23 to 26. So justification is Paul's way of communicating and telling the gospel. Justification is the message that God has forgiven us of all of our sins and imputed righteousness to us not on the basis of our works but on the punishment on the propitiation of our sins. Glory to God. Because Jesus died in our place. Jesus took our sin and for that many facts God, oh, ah, let, me, let me see if I can explain it to you. You see um, let me ask you a question. If you were to come to God, right? How many of you, I'll give you two options now. How many of you want to come to God on the basis of his mercy? On the basis of his justice? All of you that are for mercy, raise your hand. All of you that are for justice, raise your hand. Raise that movie here, let me be sure. Alright, now, isn't it amazing that all of you are wrong except her? I'm going to show you today. <laughs> you know, it's like, imagine pastor, pastor from, from, from Yola, right? I went to Canada. They invited me for, no, no, Canada is too nice. I went to, um, what are these very poor country? I think very poor, huh? Somalia. I know that they may never be able to afford, I'm, I'm wondering whether they'll pay my hotel bill or I'll pay myself. So I go there, and for some reason, I forgot my, my debit card. And you can't do transfer, of course. Or is it a debit card? When I got to the hotel, I now told the guy that, Sir, sorry, I'm not like this. In my country, I have money to pay for my hotel bill. But I forgot my debit card. Can you say, Sir? The guy says, Sir, help me to pass this. You pay your bill, you get your hotel room. Am I correct? Then I beg him. And then while I'm begging him, there's a long queue behind me. He was ready to queue up. And I kept pestering the guy, say, Please help me. I'm not like this. The person that invited me did not pay my hotel bill. 
and there's no way for me to pay. You know, I just start talking to you and they say, you know what, you know what, you know what, you know what, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I say, but let me ask you a question, sir. Don't you have three rooms in this hotel? Do you have more than one room? He said, yes. I said, so, if I sleep in one, it will not cost you anything much now. So I just use my way to find my way around him. And then he said, okay, you know what? Just take this room. Just this night. Just this night. I said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And I go, and I go and sleep, right? Then, after I wake up the next day, and I say, um, sir, do you remember me? He said, yeah, you, I know you very well. He said, please, one more night. I need one more night. Let me sleep. He said, no, we don't do that here. Then I begin to best time and best time and best time and a long queue starts again and then you know what after explanation you know what you say you know what after today that is all are you following then the next day again i came to him i said sir do you remember me yesterday he said ah, you i know you you always come here ask for free room i said please sir please again i need your help my program is for five days this is the third day please give me free room you know what happened next Maybe the next time I'm coming, we have put two bodyguards waiting for me. Once I come to him, in fact, the approach of his face alone will tell me that I should find my way. Then you know what I'll do? I pack all my bags and I leave the hotel room and find somewhere else to stay. But imagine, listen now, imagine if I came to that same hotel and the first day I came, I didn't have my credit card. Listen very carefully. And then while I was already playing, to the man i didn't even know but my host has already dropped a card and he says to him this card is for this man when he comes in whatever is his bill swipe that card I, hello i used to hear so now i go to the to the restaurant and i say oh do you have a buffet here he said yes i said but i don't have money he said sir don't worry there's a card to be swiped on your behalf i say ah, even this buffet swipe i say yes and I enter this other place. Is there a spa? Is there a spa? I, cannot, I don't have money to pay. Say, sir, there's card. Now, know this very carefully. I do not have money to pay for my bills. Why? But guess what? I'm assessing everything in that hotel on somebody else's account. That is what justification is. Just, see, on the cross is where mercy and justice met. Now, listen very carefully. It was just seen the Old Testament. Because the Bible tells very carefully that the wages of sin, this girl wants to preach with me, eh? that the wages, listen very carefully, that the wages of sin is what? Is death. So why didn't God kill all the sinners in the Old Testament? I'll explain to you why. If you owe me rent for a house for the month one, month two, month three, do you still owe me rent? Talk to me. Talk to me now. Do you still owe me rent? Or, okay, if I didn't come to your house and ask you for rent, does that mean your rent have gone? Talk to me now. Your landlord can leave you for even six months, right? But the day he comes for his rent, you are owing him rent. In the same way, all the sins of the Old Testament were being owed to God. God knew that one day, he's going to ask for the payment of those sins. So, but God knew that in the future, his son was going to come. And his son is going to be the payment for all sin of mankind. So when Jesus came on the cross, the Bible said that God turned his back on his son. And the Bible said that Jesus Christ, all of our sins from Adam Rakuba, to the future, you were not even there when Jesus died. So all the future people, post Jesus and pre-Jesus, because God is eternal. So all those sins were imputed on Jesus and stroke by stroke, 
Jesus became the punishment for the sin of mankind. Not of Christians. Jesus did not die for Christians. He died for the whole world. Are you following what I'm telling you? Every sin, Jesus was the punishment for that sin. Now listen very carefully. On the cross is where mercy and justice met. So, when I come to God, we are not just mercy. One day, as beautiful as God's mercy is, you know, if, I'm, if I keep asking you for mercy, one day, it will get exhausted. Am I correct? If somebody comes to you every time asking you for 500 naira, 500 naira, and he's, and he's eligible to work, he, can, he has two hours, two years, you say, ah, brother, where are you going to start looking? You know, if somebody's always trying to get something from you by mercy, one day to get finished. But when he's on justice, aha. For instance, you go to the court. I'm, I'm trying to explain that much as possible can catch this thing. You go to the court, and then somebody accuses you of something. Then the judge stands before you, and the judge says, I've looked into your case. Right? Are you following? You, you broke, I mean, anyway, I want to do something that you guys understand more. You know, has anybody ever gone to court because you overspeed, overspeed, you went past the speed limit in Yola? You know, it's a catch like that, eh? <laughs> so it's not a good example. <laughs> Who is to carry people to court very well in this town? Anything? Land case. <laughs> All right. Now, imagine you went to court on a land case. Huh? And this guy say, you stole my land. They want to say, no, I stole your land. And they are fighting on the case. They want to say, I paid you. They want to say, I have the original papers. And the case is going on, right? The person with the evidence will be justified. Are you following? Now, once the judge pronounced justice on the matter, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. It's done, it is done. If you have a problem, take it to the higher court. You take it to the Supreme Court until you get there. Once they put justice on the matter, it is done. Are you following? Now, when you come before a judge, you can either get mercy or justice. Are you following? For instance, let's say you, you were running over the speed limit and then you came to the judge and the judge said, you know what? You will either have to pay a fine for this offense or the judge can say, oh, you, I've not seen your face before. Maybe it's me. And I say, I've not seen your face before in this place. You know what? Let me just allow you for this first day. Go free. So I go free, but that is what, what, what do you call that? Everybody say mercy. Everybody say mercy. Say mercy. But now, if the judge says, you are going to pay 20,000 naira, and I take my money and I pay, what is that? That's justice right there. Are you seeing that? That's justice. So, justice is higher than mercy. Because God didn't just sweep your sin under the carpet. Because in mercy, I can forgive you today and remember tomorrow. Hello, talk to me now. Somebody can offend you, say, I'm forgiving you. And the person you say, but in my 20 years ago, I see that. But when it comes to justice, it's paid. It's paid for. The sin, the punishment of that sin, sinness of sin. Not of Jesus. Justness of I'm owing somebody somewhere. Mm -mm. Jesus is my payment. Glory to God. I said, Jesus is my payment. Look at Romans 3 from verse. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 24. Being, everybody say the word again justified everybody say justified not mercified freely justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus next whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith so when God forgave your sin he did not forgive your sin based on mercy 
the Bible says demonstrate his righteousness that God is righteous in punishing sin listen God is holy he will not allow any sin stay under the carpet every sin must be punished and the wages of sin that that the holiness of God's forbearance I told, I told you about this in a moment in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed that means before Jesus came all the sins that were done God forbade them God was patient until he would require payment for those sins hello are you still here next verse verse 26 to demonstrate at the present time that's when Christ came his righteousness now read everybody the last verse one to go that he might be what just and the what can we read together one to go everybody that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has what who has faith in Jesus what's the Bible telling you that God is just in justifying the ungodly God is righteous in declaring the sinner righteous why because the sinner's sin was paid for in the blood of jesus justice has been satisfied justice has been satisfied in the blood so when you come before god god is not just forgiving you based on his mercy he has forgiven you based on that that sin that you did is already paid for so you go out in your life knowing that all your sins have been paid in the blood of jesus all your sins was paid to God on the cross. Bible says that God is just, not merciful. He is just, and He's also the justifier. That means the ungodly comes before God, and the ungodly say, "God, I stole. God, I did this one. God and God say you didn't do nothing. You are not guilty." Say that, say, but God, I don't understand that. How can you say this? How was He a sinner? Then God to become a sinner, nothing. Bible says anyone that is born to this world is born a sinner. You don't seem to become a sinner. You are a sinner because of one man's offense. His name is Adam. Adam brought sin to the whole world and any child, anyone that is born to this world is born a sinner. You are born that way. So God in his, in his unkindness, uh, no, unfairness let me, use, let me use that word. In his unfairness, he brought justice, he brought justice to the matter. That even if people became sinners without ever doing anything wrong, then he's going to declare people righteous without ever doing anything right. So when we came to God, we did not do anything right to become righteous. We are righteous because of one man's obedience. In the same way, we were sinners because of one man's disobedience. And the Bible tells us that the work of Christ is much more than the work of Adam. Listen, we know how powerful the work of Adam is. It become righteous. You cannot fast your way to become righteous. You cannot, you know, punish yourself, cut yourself to become righteous. You cannot give all your money, even give your body to become righteous. Nothing you can do. The only way to undo your state as a sinner is to put your faith in Christ. Glory to God. Now in the gospel, we've come to realize that we are justified freely by his grace. When we found it, Abraham did not boast in his, in his ability. He did not boast in his effort. He trusted in the gospel. The same gospel that you are hearing is the same gospel that Abraham believed. And the Bible says God accounted to his account. <laughs> into his account. It was credited. Like somebody would credit 10 million into your account. Just like that. Praise God. I said, praise God. 
So what is justification? Justification is a forensic process. It is a legal pronouncement after a trial of investigation in which all the evidence is examined. So there's some legality in this thing now. I'll say it again. Justification is a result of a forensic process. It is a legal pronouncement in or an investigation in which all the evidence is examined. And justification is the opposite of condemnation. Now, this is God, right? Stay here. This is God. Come here. Still stay right beside him. Now, face now, follow this very carefully. Now, this is God. Now, I come to God and I say, God, I want to be righteous before you. And God says, Let me see your credentials. Then I submit my credentials. Because there's nothing you can bring to God to satisfy him. That's the truth. So, if I bring my ability, bring my works, bring all the money I've given to the poor, eh? I said your time because your blood is so useless it can't even make you righteous that's how valueless your blood is even the blood of booze and good is even better no matter how good you are you come before God when God takes your your righteousness temperature is zero percent zero percent then they check your sin temperature hundred percent of effort no matter how you try no matter how you try it's always hundred righteousness zero now, that's what I tried the first time it didn't work. The next time, he has given me his place that I might take his place. So when I come before God, when God says, where's your evidence for me to justify you? I say, Father, take my credentials. Take it. Satisfied. Satisfied. Go this way. That's what God does. You don't bring his son, you are wasting your time. You don't put faith in Christ, you are wasting your time. It's a wasted life. Out for man. If you don't put it, there is nothing you can do to be righteous before God except through his son Jesus. And this is the reason why Abraham was declared righteous even before Christ came. You know why? Because God preached the gospel to Abraham and Abraham believed God. And the Bible says because he believed that righteousness even before Christ came. Because he believed the gospel. Thank you very much. Sit down. Ho, 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 ho. Say, I'm justified by faith. Then again, say, I'm justified by faith. So how can, how can God justify the ungodly? Because if you are godly, God cannot justify you. It's the only the ungodly that God can justify. <laughs> Hallelujah. So how did God do it? Romans 3 again. Look at it. Read everybody want to go. Can we read now? Are you ready now? Let's read the power now. Want to go read. Uh huh. When it comes to justification, God does not justify us. It's not a judgment concerning our character. No. Godification is the ungodly. Just God justified him in the moment that he believed God because he always he was not always godly in his life but because he believed the gospel that God preached to him God justified him 
Praise God. So the righteousness is revealed through the cross. I just showed you. On the cross, that's where God's justice was satisfied. All the sin of mankind was imputed into Christ. And Jesus Christ became the punishment for our sins. Glory to God. And then what Christ was, he sent it to our account. Let me explain how this works. Imagine I have 2 million naira. And all you have is 10 naira. Are you following? Then I say, let's exchange. That's what Jesus did for you. So you sent 10 naira. He sent 2 million. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Came to court. You know, it's like, it's like you were owing somebody 2 million. And the judge said, you have to pay. And somebody came to court and said, how much is he owing? And the judge said, 2 million naira. Listen very carefully. Let me tell you how justice and mercy meet. Now the guy doesn't have the 2 million to pay. Are you seeing that? And the judge said, we're going to bring in justice on this man. Like, you must pay the 2 million. Then one man shows up and said, how much is the offense? And the judge says, 2 million. He said, I will pay for you. He said, but I'm going to send 20 million. What do you call that? Overpayment. Everybody say overpayment. Jesus overpaid for your sin. Because his blood it itself, his blood is better than all the good men put together. His blood is eternal blood. Better than any, any human being on planet earth. Jesus is better than Moses, than Elijah, than who again? Than all the prophets of old. Put them together. They can't stand a chance with Jesus. So his payment for our sin was an overpayment. Now, guess what? When the guy pays 20 million, how do you leave that courtroom? How do you leave that courtroom? First, both mercy and justice are kissed together. You know why? Because now, you didn't pay anything, but somebody paid. Hallelujah. You can even go and meet that guy and say, Alpha, say they send you 20 million. Where's my own share? <laughs> because now, it's called justice. Everybody say justice. Everybody say justice. So Abraham, what did Abraham believe? How does God justify the ungodly? What exactly did Abraham believe? Look at John 8, 50, 56. Let me, and he saw it about Abraham. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Can you imagine that? Abraham saw by forensic sight when Jesus would come. He was a prophet. He saw it. He was glad. He knew that Jesus was going to be born one day. Who suffer and, be, and would die for his sin. But we said Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Some of you are wishing to be in Abraham's day. Abraham is wishing he was in your day. Hallelujah. Say, I'm wiser than Solomon. You know, some people they are still looking for, Father, give me the wisdom of Solomon. Ha uh ha. -uh. Didn't you read your Bible? The wisdom, what's the wisdom of Solomon? Trees, cars. Talk about trees. Talk about plants. Talk about sand. The Bible said, in fact, you know what, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that the, all the glory of Solomon is not compared to the lily of the field. He said, least in the kingdom is greater than the Elijah anointing. Or the Elisha anointing. Haha. <laughs> Jesus does not have wisdom. He is the embodiment of wisdom. That means when you have Jesus in your life, you have wisdom. Say, Christ is my wisdom. Say, I don't lack wisdom. So stop saying, Father, give me wisdom. Uh -uh. 
you have Jesus. So you have here, you draw from it. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I walk in wisdom. I talk wisdom in the name of Jesus. I'm wiser than Solomon. Guess what? Let me tell you a bigger one. Are you guys ready for this one? I'm wealthier than Solomon. Makaro Pote. You are, you are looking at the money that Solomon had. Solomon did not have Jesus. He wished, listen, because Jesus is the wealth of God. If God wants to spend anything, he will spend his son. Because Jesus, faith is the currency of God. Are you seeing that? And if God is going to spend, listen, has God ever given you money? Does God have bank account? No, talk to me now. <laughs> talk to me. Does he, have, does he have one bank somewhere? Mm -mm. When God wants to spend money, he spends his son. Bible said that God will not withhold his son. But gave him also for us. He said, how shall he not also freely give us all things? If he gave you the best, he will give you the rest. Can you say amen? Shout amen somebody. So, I am wealthy. I am wealthier than Solomon. Say, I am wealthier than Solomon. Say it again. Say, I am wealthier than Solomon. Say, I am wiser than Solomon. Do you believe what you just said? It, or it's too big for your theology. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, that's why some, everything I know I share. You know, because I have to weigh whether you are ready to receive it. Sometimes I preach and rewind. I'll go back again. I'll go forward again. I'll still come back again. So that you can be stabilized. Then I cannot begin to inject some new things inside you. If you are, see, because, see, the reason why every time you are sad and unhappy is because you are looking at your bank account. Ha! Huh. We have so much testimony, we have faith. There's nothing we cannot get. You know, many things I have today, I said them before they came to pass. I will keep saying, I will keep saying, I will buy this thing, I will buy this thing. Because I know that I have wealth inside of me. I have no lack around me. In the name of, no lack. No lack. I refuse to be broke. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, let me tell you, let me tell you the beauty of our wealth. The beauty of our wealth is, even when there's no money, you'll go to the fish, you'll find money inside. That means God can orchestrate events, put in the hearts of people, put in the hearts of people to bless you. You'll be believing for something. Someone will say, hey, um, there's a contract available. Are you ready to do it? You were just asking God for an amount of money and a favor showed up from somewhere. You don't know how it happened. The person saw you in their vision. Maybe they remembered your name. You think it's just okay, normal like that? It's not normal like that. It's because you believe in what Christ has done. That you are you have the biggest wealth. Listen, this is the reason why no matter how much money a person has, he's still not satisfied if he doesn't have Jesus. You know, money can bring you a lot of happiness. Money, Bible says that in fact, money answers all things. But there's one thing money cannot answer. It cannot answer your salvation. It cannot answer for the forgiveness of your sins. It cannot answer for your justification. It cannot answer for the real stuff. That's why you see a billionaire will commit suicide. Just this year, a billionaire committed suicide. A man that is more than 70 years old. Why? No satisfaction. Brothers and sisters, when you have Jesus, the wealth has come into your house. That's why I know that some of you here will be billionaires. Why? Because we have gone for the real stuff. The Bible came to Mary's house. He says, he says, he says, matter, matter. He says, you are worried about too many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has found it. What did Mary found? Mary sat on the feet of Jesus, receiving his word, receiving revelation. And guess what? Remember, 
What Martha did not understand is that Martha is trying to bake bread for Jesus. When Jesus is the bakery. He's the bakery. You are trying to bake for a bakery. Come on. He will have the bread that you. Jesus said, I am the bread that came from heaven. Come on. Did you read the Bible? I'm the bread that came from heaven. Yes, you are. Amashia, Lion of Judah, Agony Chamber. Yeshua, Amashia, Lion of Judah, Agony Chamber. Galatians 3 8. Look at all the Bible says. Galatians 3 8. Oh, thank you, Lord. Galatians 3 verse 8. He says, And the scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles. By what? By faith. What did God do? He preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In all the nations shall be blessed. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. Look at verse 16. And so Abraham knew that Isaac was not the seed. He knew. He says, not as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. So, <laughs> that is, hallelujah. Look at Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. I'm trying to show you something. What Abraham believed. How God justified him. That was the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son believed in Jesus. He believed in Jesus. So when you come to God, seeking his forgiveness... Do you appeal to his mercy or do you appeal to his justice? Look at 1 John 1. And what? Merciful. He is just. In what? In forgiving our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So for God to forgive us is just. We don't plead for mercy. We are justified. We are not mercified. Glory to God. We to God somebody to make us feel good mm -mm. we need a lawyer who can successfully argue that justice has been fulfilled look at first john 2 from not seen see god see when you come into christ seeing is no longer your master are you seeing that he says and if anyone sin what happens did he say god and beg god as god no let me tell you how we think forgiveness works with god you know we are we are used to when somebody offends us the person must come and ask me for forgiveness. But the person comes to you and that's with God. You cannot ask God to forgive you just like that. You cannot cry your way for God to forgive you. The only economy that God understands is blood. In the Old Testament, is when you say, they bring blood, say, Father, create in me a new heart. Wash me. Mm. When is when you say those things, you still bring blood. Is only until when blood is offered has been transformed that and the animal has been your temporal punishment because the wages of sin is death. Something or somebody must die. That's how God forgives. It doesn't work with God. When you come to God, you must bring blood. What happened with Cain and Abel? The same problem. Cain brought vegetables. You know what around? You plant seed. It grows. So Cain brought vegetables. Bloodless sacrifice. What did Abel bring? 
Ted Abel's offering. Vegetables. Reject by myself effort. I'm good enough for you. I don't need blood. I don't need angel to die for me. Accept me like that. God says you rejected. Then Abel came and said, Father, on my own, I'm not righteous. Happened. So when Cain, when Abel brought the sacrifice, God accepted the offering of Abel, but rejected that of Cain. Hallelujah. We are not well to get God to make us feel good. Somebody's trying to say, Don't worry, God will help you. No, 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 no. Bible says, and if anyone sin, what do we have? We have an ass. Next verse, verse 2. And he himself, that means the lawyer, <laughs> the lawyer that came to argue your case is even the punishment for your payment, the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but for who? For who? For the whole world. Jesus is the punishment for sins for the whole world. You know, people say, God punish you. Have you ever said, God punish you? That punishment was already done in Christ. Somebody say, um, we are waiting for God to bring judgment like he brought to Solomon and Gomorrah. Jesus has exhausted all the judgment of God. Hallelujah. Now the only judgment for man today is whether you reject Christ or accept him. That's the only judgment. There's no other judgment for sin. All the judgment of sin Christ satisfied it. The question is, will you accept what he has done or will you reject what he has done? That's the question. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So in Christ, just the condemning voice of the law has been silenced forever because we are justified by faith. Glory to God. So now, write, this, write these four things down. When you are justified by faith, number one, we are reconciled to God and no longer exposed to his wrath. When we are justified, we are reconciled to God and no longer exposed to his wrath. Now, Acts 13 verse 39. I'll give you the number two. Acts 13 39. It says, And by him, everyone who believes, his what? Talk to me everybody, come on. His what? Justified from how many things? From all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. What's the law of Moses? The Ten Commandments. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not lie. The Bible is telling you that if you come to God based on what you can do on the law of Moses, justify, not be justified before God. But it says anyone who believes in Jesus is justified from all things, including the law of Moses. That's what the Bible is saying. So number two, we are justified from all things. Hallelujah. Number three, when you are justified by faith, comrades, are you writing this down? When you are justified by faith, the righteousness takes out of the courtroom and brings us into the family of God. When we are justified by faith, the righteousness of God takes us out of sin and it brings us into the family of God. Number four, when you are justified by faith, you are qualified for every blessing. That's the fourth one. You are. Hallelujah. So look at this now. What does it mean to be justified by faith? My time is almost up. Let's round this up. Number one, we are justified by faith as Abraham was justified by faith. Look at Romans 4.3. 
Let's read some scriptures fast. He said, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Look at verse 5. But to him who does not walk, but believes on him, who, what? who justifies the ungodly, what happens to him? His faith is accounted for righteousness. Are you seeing that very carefully? Okay, give me verse 9. Does the blessedness then come upon the circumcised only? That means upon the Jews only? Or upon the accounted circumcised also? That is. Are you seeing that? Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only of those who are of the law, but also of those who are of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us? Say Abraham is our papa. He's our father. Glory to God. Are you seeing them? So look at verse 24. Verse 24. But also for us, it shall be imputed. Everybody say imputed. For us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Next verse. Who was delivered up for our offense. And was raised because of our justification. <laughs> Are you following what he's saying here? Let me explain. Let me explain this verse. This verse is very beautiful. This is what the Bible is saying. Uh, right? This is what the Bible is saying. The cross sign. Now, on the cross, listen very carefully. God put all the sin of mankind on Jesus. Are you following? And the Bible says that Jesus Christ became sin. He became sin. That means the what sin in his very essence, Jesus was. He was worse than any sinner can ever imagine in his life. So God punished his son. And what was the punishment for sin? Death. He died. Now, the Bible says Jesus Christ was delivered up because of our offenses. So all of our offenses, Jesus paid for it on the cross. Now, if Jesus just died, we will still go around life not sure if our sins have been fully paid. <laughs> Are you following? For Jesus to be raised from the dead was proof positive that not only are we forgiven, we are justified. That means every punishment for sin has been satisfied. Are you seeing that? So Jesus now, when he walks, when because he's alive, is proof positive that all my sins have been fully paid. And guess what? Not only did God, did Jesus Christ pay for our sin, he also gave us something new. A new nature. It's called righteousness. That means now, in this new nature, we don't struggle to put God. In this new nature, the Bible says. You see that? Our lifestyle. No, are you seeing that? That's why a genuine Christian does not sin, the Bible says. You see that? So, not only is our sins forgiven, something new came to us when he came out of the grave. It's called righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Say righteousness again. Thank you, Sidan. Hallelujah. So Jesus was raised up for our justification. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Ha, 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 ha. So we are justified by faith the same way Abraham was justified by faith. Now, everybody say, we say faith is not by sight. Say it again. Say faith is not by sight. Romans 4 from verse 17 to 19. So faith enables us to call those things that be not as though they were. Look at it. He says, "At is in whom you believed, God. What does God do? He what? He gives life to the dead. 
Everybody say, God gives life to the dead. Come on, say it louder. Say, God gives life to the dead. That means God is a miracle God. Are you seeing that? That means God can bring things that have died and bring them back to life. God is a miracle God. He says, look at the next one. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That means God is also a faith God. Are you seeing that? So faith is not by sight. Give me the next verse, verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed that he might become, that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Next verse, verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And, and when you come of Shirazim, that's we have to call ourselves not as we see ourselves. So you don't say, I'm a weak person. You don't talk like that. You don't say, I'm a sinner. You don't say those kind of things out of your mouth. Once you come into Christ, once you come into Christ, God calls you righteous. He calls you holy. He calls you perfect. He calls you complete. You call yourself that. Are you hearing that? Lift your hand everywhere. Say together with me. Say, in Christ, I'm righteous. Say, I'm holy. Say, I'm sanctified. Say, I'm justified. Say, I'm perfect. Say, I'm complete in Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. We are to say the same thing in agreement with God. Are you seeing that? We don't say, ah, I'm weak. I'm broke. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. All those things, you are not talking like a faith God. The faith that Abraham spoke. Look at Abraham. God told Abraham, a 100 years old man, before 100, you're going to have it. Even the, the Bible says, Sarah's womb, he did not consider it. He believed God. Now, let me tell you how hopeless Sarah's case was. Number one problem, she was barren before menopause. Now, 90 years old, menopause and barrenness mixed together. How hopeless could that be? Talk to me now. How hopeless could that be? Bible says he did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. What was he doing? He was kept on saying, I'm going to have a child. I'm going to have a child. I'm going to have a child. And it happened after 25 years of believing God. Some people, they can't hold on to the gospel for, for even two months. Abraham held it for 25 years. Because God told him this thing when he was 75. He held on to God's word 25 years. And it came to pass. And guess what? After Isaac came out, Abraham still had more than four children. What a blessed God. Over a hundred years old, he was still giving birth to children. More than four. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, look at, look at um, Romans 4.20. The last thing I'm going to see today. Read everybody want to go. Can we read again? Want to go, everybody. So, when it comes to faith, it's not about what you say to you or to me. It's about what you say to God. Bible says, Abraham did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith. How was he doing? Glory! Glory God. And the Bible was pretty very powerful in the next verse. That God performed his word in his life. That's why Abraham is called the father of faith. Because when it comes to faith in this life, 
Abraham is, is, is the manifold expression of what faith is. Do you know what it means to hold on to God's word for 25 years? You think this is a joke? That means if you are 25 today and God says you are going to be a billionaire. No, that's not how God even talks. God says, I've made you a billionaire. That's the way God talks. He says, I've made you a billionaire. And the guy cannot even pay his house rent. Are you following? And then he's struggling. Three years, he's struggling. Five years, he's struggling. One day, life will hit him. He say, Kai, maybe I heard wrong. And then he will miss his way and go in the wrong direction. And he will forfeit God's prophecy over his life. But guess what? Bible says, Abraham held on to the promise of God. 25 years and the promise came short because God's word never fails. Hallelujah. The word of God never fails. If God has told you something in your life, it's sure going to happen. But you've got to hold on by faith. You've got to see it by faith. Glory to God. Lead to anything. I'm justified by faith. Say, I'm justified by faith. So Abraham gave glory to God as the God of truth that God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Don't let the prophecy over your life look like God is lying. Mm -mm. You've got to hold on to God's word and give glory to God. That's how strength comes into your life. Stay up on your feet this morning. Hallelujah.